Hello and welcome to ADHD Fest, the podcast all about adult ADHD, with also some law of attraction and self-development geared towards the neurodivergent brain. I am your host, Tara Pratt, and today is going to be a part two. We're going to be carrying on from last week, although it's going to be completely different. You can listen to these standalone episode so you don't need to go back right now you can go back to last week at the end of this episode if you'd like about two live events that I attended a couple of weeks ago one down in London one here in Leeds and this week the one we're concentrating on is Stephen Bartlett he is the presenter of the podcast Diary of a CEO he is also from Dragon's Den and he had a lot of amazing things to share at his live event it was very different from the previous episode's event which was Francesca Amber Law of Attraction Change My Life presenter she had a live event down in London and I did them back to back so one was on the Tuesday one was on the Wednesday and I found that really helpful and there were some great takeaways that I really wanted to share with you that I think we can adapt for ADHD so sit back, relax. I hope you're going to enjoy this episode. If you did listen in last week, this one is going to be a little bit different just because I actually sat and took notes during this event and there was a lot more content, if you know what I mean. There was like actionable steps, whereas Francesca Amber's was more inspiration and stories, which I found really helpful, particularly when you talk about law of attraction. I like um, stories and to be told how it's worked in real life whereas this one was more snippets of actual advice so it's going to be a little bit different and I've taken a lot of notes so I'm going to be speeding through it quite quickly hopefully that's what you want if you've got ADHD you like to take things in quickly rather than slowly and I'm just going to try and work through it as fast as I can for you So straight in with point number one and I've just got written here unmet expectations equal unhappy. This was one of the first main points that he made. He was talking about happiness generally in life and how life is just not all happy and it's not all sad. But he was also talking about he'd met that week with the Spotify founder and also the founder of Airbnb. And he himself has shared the experience the same as them, where they have been striving, striving, striving to achieve something. And then they achieve it. They get to where they want to be. They get to that high point. And then they get a little bit depressed. And this happens quite a lot. I've heard that story multiple times where you're striving for this big goal. It could be a manifestation. It could be something in work. And when you actually achieve it, it's kind of an anticlimax. It kind of feels like, oh, it doesn't feel as good as I thought it would. Like it feels good initially getting it, but then that feeling wears off really quickly. The way he was describing it was, well, number one, He was saying we're motivated. When we talk about motivation, sometimes we're actually being dragged. It's not that we are striving towards something. We're being dragged towards it because of our own insecurities, because of childhood traumas. For example, he really wanted a really flashy car because all of his friends had nice cars when they were growing up and he didn't. But he's realized after he got the flashy car that "Mm, that's not actually what does it for him. That's not actually ticking the boxes it's not what he it's what he wanted to prove that he could get it because it was an insecurity from when he was younger but actually he realized he's not that bothered about flashy cars so that's one point he made was sometimes you get there and it's not actually your description of success but also he said he'd set the bar so high expectations wise he needed to tick a box that was an absolute huge win or it's got to be the best of the best and his expectations were so high 
it actually became hard to make himself happy. He gave the story of being on a flight in first class and he gets on and straight away he's on his laptop working because he's been on a million of these first class flights now. That's the standard. That's his minimum standard now is being on a first class flight. Just opens his laptop and gets going. And then a couple came on and it was obviously their first time and they were like, oh my God, look at the seats. Look at this. Oh my God. Do you know, we can just order whatever we want and it's amazing. Oh, isn't it so comfy? And it lies flat. And they were like, absolutely loving this first class flight because their expectation they that is not the norm to them their standard is not first class their standard is whatever it is like economy class or the the one below that their expectations are being surpassed and that means they're happy whereas his expectations they would probably just be a met his standard would probably just be a met so he just felt neutral about it But you can guarantee if something went wrong on that flight where they didn't have in a certain drink or they didn't, the Wi-Fi went off for a little bit, he would be really unhappy because his standard is so high. He wouldn't care that he was in this luxury cabin that he was getting to fly um, first class. He would just look at the thing that was wrong. So that was his first point was happiness is based on your expectations and sometimes we do have to lower those expectations and the way I look at that from an ADHD perspective is the expectations of ourselves because we tend to be people pleasers we tend to want a lot out of ourselves a lot of us are high achievers and we all know that old line don't we from your school report that was not reaching their potential could be great but not reaching their potential and that haunts us as ADHDers in particular I know I have always been told, oh, you could be this great. I mean, I don't know whether I've told it in the podcast before, but I went to the Royal Ballet um, boarding school when I was younger and there was 21 of us, girls and boys mixed and they're dancers from all over the world and I was 11 years old and everyone had me pipped to be this prima ballerina, this worldwide amazing ballerina. That expectation, both for the people around me and myself, went unmet. I didn't become a prima ballerina. I got bored of being there. I got homesick and I wanted to leave and I did leave. And still people talk about it to this day. Like, oh, remember she went to a Royal Ballet. I mean, I'm 37 at this point. It's years and years and years ago. But that unmet potential still haunts me. Luckily, I didn't really have a big desire to be a prima ballerina. Otherwise, it probably would have brought me a lot more sadness. But that's what I'm saying. That unmet potential follows us around and we have very high standards for ourselves so if I went into that thinking I'm going to be the best ballerina I'm going to be a prima ballerina and then I dropped out which probably was in part because of my ADHD in part because just I wasn't that bothered about ballet (laughs) um you know that would make me very unhappy that my expectations were not met so as ADHDers it is it's a really good idea to get to grips with what you really want not what people expect of you not what other people tell you you want or you could be realistically work out what you want to be and that includes yes you might have the um, potential you might be greatly skilled in one area but to put the work in to reach that top 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 achievement in that area might make you very unhappy so be honest with yourself do you want to put that level of, is that the life you want Or is the life you want that you want to still work in that area, you're happy with being middle, middle of the road. And actually, you don't want to put that 
much effort in and make your life a bit miserable trying to reach that number one spot. So you want to sit down, work out exactly what you want out of life, what is success to you, and then you want to lower your expectations of yourself from there and you give yourself a less than realistic view of how you're going to get there, how long it's going to take you and try and enjoy the journey along the way as well. Don't just be setting high expectations for yourself, high standards for yourself and set yourself up to fail and also accept the fact that you have ADHD. So whatever time limit you put on it, whatever you measure yourself by, take it down a few notches, make it an easy win for yourself. And then once you've got to that stage, set the next easy win. Okay. Oh God, I'm eight minutes in and I've only got onto point two. Okay. This next bit was, I've got written here, Domino's Pizza Tracker Certainty. And that just ties into that first note again. It's talking about um, Domino's started the online pizza tracker because they know humans love certainty. And that uncertainty after they've called to order their pizza and they don't know how long it is, they kept calling the restaurant and wasting time. So they invented this online pizza tracker and it's worked amazingly well. So that's still point one. The next one was the Biro Circle Ant story, right? It's about what limitations we're putting on ourselves that don't actually exist. So there's an experiment online where they do it with a spider or they do it with an ant where they put them on a page. You can Google it and they use a biro or a marker to just draw a circle around the ant or the spider and the ant will not cross that line. Even though it's just a drawn line on a piece of paper, it's not a wall, it's just a bit of ink around it. It will not cross that line, at least for a while. And then if it gets one foot over the edge by accident, it realizes, oh, wait a minute, this isn't a limit and it keeps going. But then the person draws another circle around them. And again, they won't go over the line. It's the fear of outside that line. They think that they are limited, that they are boxed in. And he compared that to us, how we box ourselves in with these imaginary lines, that glass ceiling that we put ourselves under. And I do think as ADHDers, in particular, I'm inattentive type but I do think I have the hyperactivity in my mind and I know we are all deep thinkers and we're overthinkers and sometimes that really gets in our way. It's a form of self-sabotage because we like a reason for everything. We like to tell ourselves a story about everything. So we might be like, I can't do that because if we don't want to do something a couple of times or if we've had a few failures, we tell ourselves that story on repeat And I'll use the old example again of me doing exercise. I told myself for a long time, I hate exercise. I don't do it. I'm not very good at it. I don't enjoy it. It's boring. And I just told myself that over and over again. And even though I was really unhealthy, I was really out of shape. I just kept telling myself that. And then I got diagnosed and the psychiatrist said to me, oh, you should do exercise. It really helps um, with ADHD. And because the expert told me, I was like, right, I'm going to have to do this now. It's a joke. And I thought to me, I questioned myself. I took a step back from my own story and I thought, is that true? Is it true that I hate exercise? Is it true that it's boring? Actually, I was a dancer for years and really dancing is a form of exercise. Is there a way I could do that? Anyway, long story short, I now go to the gym like three to four times a week and I absolutely love it. And it was just a story I was telling to myself, a limit that I was telling myself and saying it was boring. And I'm not saying every exercise class I've been to has been absolutely exciting and wonderful but there's a million forms of exercise and I've found the ones that I love so we we what invisible limits are you putting on yourself in your personal life in work in your hobbies 
how are you holding yourself? Point three. Now I must say, you did jump around a lot on the topics, so they don't all align with each other, but they're all equally important and good nuggets of wisdom. And this one I found particularly surprising. He said that the rate of technological change at the moment is extraordinary. It's the fastest it's ever been. We know that, particularly me, I'm 37. The change in technology has been wild. When I was a child, there was no such thing as phones. I think when I went to that boarding school, I had a pager and I thought I was amazing. It was like one of the new things was to have a pager. Now I'm absolutely addicted to my phone. It's horrendous. So obviously we've had a lot of technological advancement in a short period of time. But what he said, which was absolutely shocking to me, is in 50 years time, one year's worth of technological change, so a year now, the advancement in one year, in 50 years time, that will only take 11 days. That is how fast technology is advancing. So what takes one year to develop now will happen in 11 days. And that's just a prediction. I think it might actually compound much faster than that. And what is great about this, I mean, obviously it's a little bit scary because <laughs> we don't know what's happening. Um, but what's great about it is AI, I think is one of the best things for ADHD at the moment, particularly when there isn't a lot known about adult ADHD, when there aren't the tools in place, when there aren't the accommodations. I in particular have been using Goblin tools, but I know a lot of people are using ChatGPT. If you can find the right commands, it really does the executive functioning for you outside of yourself. And I'm hoping that these advances in technology not only will help with our ADHD in our day-to-day -day life, but hopefully it will help with research into things like ADHD. And I just thought that was an interesting point to share because it blew my mind. One of the main points that he focused on was failure. And you may have seen this, I feel like Will Smith said this about five years ago, so maybe it's a little bit stolen, but I've heard a lot of people say this who are successful. And he said, the thing that has worked in his favor most is experimentation, failing and making mistakes as fast as possible equals success. So the faster you can make mistakes, the faster you can fail and learn from that failure is going to equal success. And isn't that so true when you think about it? I am, a lot of the time, I'm scared to do things because I don't know the exact right way to do it. And I'm waiting to know the exact right way. And I think imposter syndrome is a huge thing within ADHD, particularly ADHD entrepreneurs. I find a lot of business boring, very boring. And it's not that I don't have the intelligence to be a businesswoman and keep on top of the admin and stuff. It's just uninteresting to me I can do it if I have to but the minute I don't have to it goes out of my brain and if someone asks me a question on the hop I'm not going to know the answer to it and it gives me imposter syndrome because I feel like I don't know what I'm talking about but the truth is I know exactly what I'm talking about it's really just that fear of failure that is holding me back and I think all of us have that to some degree whether you're neurodivergent or not but the RSD the rejection sensitive dysphoria really compounds those feelings and it can be a little bit traumatizing when we fail and it's easy to say but I do believe we can change our thoughts and we can change our mindset and that's all it is it's a little mindset flip from the fact that failure is a personal failure failure is embarrassing failure is horrible failure means I'm not valuable I'm not important failure means I'm incapable it's flipping those beliefs to Failure means I'm trying. 
Failure means I am brave and I'm going forward. Failure means I'm one step closer to success. And that is the mindset that we need to work on. And that is what he attributed his success to because I'll summarize the story really quickly, but he was pretty much left to fend for himself from about 10 years old. He had a mum and a dad, but they weren't coming home after work. They were sleeping in their business and they were leaving him to do whatever he wanted in the house. And his older brothers had moved out. And he said he what he did with that time was he experimented. He wanted to make money. He wanted to go on ski trips with school and stuff. So he just started little businesses, like kids' businesses, like he'd do an event for school. And he would raise the money to do it with the ticket money and pre-book stuff and then pay on the night. And he had failures. But obviously, when you're a kid, you haven't got rent to pay. It's not that big a deal. The failure would mean he couldn't go on the ski trip. But by failing all that time, it wasn't a massive knock to his confidence because he was just a kid. No one expected him to have this successful business anyway. But he learned what not to do very quickly. And we do need to get outside of ourselves and just try to do that. And I don't mean just in business. I mean, in life, we can hold ourselves back a lot with ADHD. There's a lot of anxiety, particularly when you've been undiagnosed. And we can hold ourselves back from just taking that step. Like going to the gym, it's scary. It's terrifying. We need to go and fail. You need to go to a class and realize that was a crap class. I was crap. It was too hard to know. Okay, well, what can I try that's slightly different but still exercise? Do you see what I mean? You can use this concept for lots of areas of your life. It doesn't just have to be business. Try, fail, and that's the only way you're going to find out the right path. Because guess what? You can ask people's advice, you can go on courses, but everyone has a different view of what works and what doesn't. And it all depends on you. What works for one person might not work for another person. It's trial and error. And he talked about that um, in regards to marketing as well, which if you are a business owner, which obviously I am, he was saying try lots of different ways to market and then measure your success. Don't just hold back and do a little bit of marketing here and there. And he told a story about Amazon and I can't remember the exact numbers and I didn't write it in my notes, but basically he was saying how many products Amazon has actually created and they've been complete failures. Complete failures, like we're talking hundreds of products that you won't remember and they didn't do well and it was a big waste of time and money. But for those hundred, they've come out with things like the Fire Stick, the Kindle, and they've made much more money than they ever lost on the failure. And in that same vein, he says, don't assume you know the best answer. Trial and error is the key, which again is the same point. But I like this point about don't assume you know the right answer. I tend to do the opposite and I assume I don't know the answer and I need to find the right answer before I start. But the only way to find it is trial and error. But also, I do sometimes assume that I know the right answer of how to do something and that right answer is too hard and I'm not capable of doing it. So here's a good example. My husband started a podcast. It must be like four years ago now. He's now a very successful podcaster. He's paid by an American network. But when he first started, I had no clue about podcasting and neither did he. He, he was doing a podcast about the Miami Marlins baseball team and... I assumed I knew because he wanted to interview the players and he wanted to, you know, just be in the mix. Obviously, he's in England and the players are in Miami. And I was thinking, well, if he wanted to interview the players, he would have to speak to their agents. And 
how is he going to get a player on a really small podcast at the time? It was just his own podcast with like 50 listeners. There's no way in my mind. I was just like, there's just no way. So I was assuming the right way that he should go about that was to get in touch with the player's agents and to ask them if they'll come on the podcast. And I just thought, well, I, I assumed that I knew the right answer. And I thought, well, he's not capable of that. Luckily, I didn't say that to him. And also that wasn't his solution at all. He got in touch with um, the media press department and asked for a press pass. And basically it was lucky. It's just as COVID hit and they were doing online press. So the press weren't going in to interview the players. They just were in on Zoom. So obviously he could do it from anywhere in the world. And he got to ask the players direct questions, not one-on-one, but he got to have snippets and clips from questions that he'd asked and to share them on his podcast and on his social media now if he was like me and just assumed the answer on that he never would have done that he never would have been in the room even virtually to ask those players questions there's more than one way to skin a nat skin a cat as my nan would say another point that could be quite controversial but also i get what he's saying um, but particularly with ADHD, it might be a bit controversial, but I'm just going to tell it to you and you can decide for yourself is, um, he said he had an interview with Barack Obama and one of the main tips he gave him was don't wait to make a decision. There's no such thing as a perfect decision, except in hindsight, all you need is 51% certainty on your decisions and then make them don't wait. So basically he's just saying you need to be more sure than not by 1%, which I think is a crazy concept, but Barack Obama actually said he was only 51% sure that he wanted to kill Osama bin Laden before he gave the command. And to me, I mean, that is shocking. That is absolutely crazy because it's obviously a human life. It's a big deal. He was only 51% sure on that decision. But when we think about it, how sure of any decision are we? I, in particular, am very indecisive. I'm also a Libra. I don't know whether that plays into it, but I'm always weighing up the options. I can never decide, mm, should I do this? Should I do that? It takes me ages. And what Stephen was saying, what he took from that, and he said he's had similar conversations with other leaders in business, is yes, there is no perfect decision, but the time you waste trying to make a decision and stall in costs you a lot more than if you make the decision and it's a mistake. And he gave the example of working with a father and son in a company. And he would speak to the father about a concept. He was like consulting in um, on the marketing, I think. And he was like, oh, I think we should do this campaign. He said, I would say it to the father. We'd have to have a meeting. And then he'd go away and it'd take him like nine months to action it. It'd have to go through all these processes before it actually got out there. And by the time it got out there, it was old news. It was not good. Whereas the son, if he went to the son, he would give him this idea and he would catch him in the hallway and he'd be like, oh, can we have a meeting about this? And he'd be like, just tell me now. And he'd go, oh, I've got this idea to do such and such. And he'd listen. And if he thought it was a good idea, he'd be like, yeah, let's run it. Let's run it now. And he would run the ad. And basically he was saying how one of these ads was like their most viral ad they'd ever done. It had amazing success. But if he'd have waited the nine months to put it through, it just wouldn't have had the same impact. On the flip side, if he'd have put that out and it would have tanked, really, 
is it a huge mistake as long as it's not massively controversial it's just a bit of a wasted post and might you know you might lose a couple of followers or whatever you've got to weigh it up like the success of the decision against the consequences if it goes wrong and as long as you're 51% sure you're going to come out on top then just make the decision if it's a mistake it's a mistake you'll live with it but don't wait and why I think that's controversial obviously with ADHD is we are impulsive and risk-taking so I want to put a little caveat in there and say be safe don't take huge financial risks do not take huge um, dangerous risks <laughs> do not make huge like brash decisions but just mostly on your day-to-day decisions don't agonize over them 51% sure is absolutely fine now the next point I agree with and disagree with see what you think he said um write more often and that is the only way to extract knowledge to understand something is measured by how much you can simplify it so if you could experience something write down that experience and turn it into something you could explain to a 10 year old you learn through your experience and you learn by teaching someone else so there's a few points there the writing part is the one that I'm unsure about whether I agree with or not I went through a phase, especially during COVID, about two or three years, I've got books and books and books of journaling. I used to journal a lot and it does help. It's kind of like a free form of therapy. So the more I could write down and get my feelings out, the more it kind of made sense and little thoughts and aha moments would pop into my brain. Skip to now and I just cannot be bothered to sit down and write. I don't know what it is but I find it really hard to sit down and journal. And I've got all those books and I feel like I could probably go through them and extract knowledge from it. But my ADHD brain just doesn't want to do that. It's like, it's too much info. It's overwhelming. I don't want to do that. So instead, what I do is I send voice notes to myself or, well, I've got a WhatsApp group with my husband and I send WhatsApp voice notes to myself that he doesn't bother listening to. And I also like screenshot ideas or I'll just jot down a little concept from that day and then I'll flick through them now and again and I will extract the knowledge from that but I've told you Stephen's idea I've told you my idea you can do either of them or you can pick something straight down the middle in between but I feel like for ADHD journaling is very helpful because it can sort out all that overlapping conversation and music and whatever that's going through your head all these ideas it's better and it gets rid of the anxiety to get it down on paper but I know with ADHD sometimes we struggle to do that to sit down and write so use alternatives if you can dictation and you can also if you dictate it you can use something that um what is it called like a dictation tool you can write in your notes by talking if you press the little microphone on notes you can talk and it will write it out for you so you can do it that way as well if you want to do it by voice but then go back and look over it in writing. Hey, we're doing good. We're about 25 minutes in and I've got two points left. So this one, next one is when you are triggered, move it from emotion by speaking and acknowledging it from emotion to the amygdala and then you can handle it. So your amygdala is a little thing in your brain that um, I think can just process emotions better. 
So when you're triggered, you say and move it from emotion by speaking and acknowledging it. And this can be out loud to someone else, but it can also just be out loud to yourself or in your mind. I talk to myself in my mind quite a lot. Like thoughts, I don't know about you, but my thoughts are automatic. They're just busy. There's lots going on in there. But if I consciously stop and try to talk to myself in my mind, it quietens the other ones and I can purposefully make thoughts as well. So when I'm triggered by something, I speak to myself in my mind and I'm just like, okay, I am, what am I feeling? And instead of like trying to find a word for it, I feel it in my body and I'm like, okay, I feel bad. I feel bad in my chest. Is it because I'm angry? Yes, it's because I'm angry. Okay, let's label it. And you acknowledging that it's there. And I think that's what he's saying. You, you speaking and acknowledging it. And it moves it from just pure emotion to something physical that you can handle and it moves it into a different part of your brain. And I have found this very, very helpful. It doesn't always get rid of the emotion straight away, but we're not meant to get rid of our emotions. I think that's a lot of our problem. We want to move through these emotions fast. So we try and get rid of them. But the fastest way to do that is to actually fully feel them. And it's not pleasant, especially if it's anxiety. It's not pleasant to feel it. But we just kind of have to accept, okay, there's nothing I can do. I've got anxiety now. Where can I feel it? Where is it? And it's just a bit of a surprise to me every time how quickly it does pass when you do that. So that is the second to last point. And my last point is, Oh, it's not even really a last point. He basically just left us a little bit of homework right at the end, which was reflect on how you put limits on yourself, like that ant, like that spider. What is the circle you've drawn that is a figment of your imagination and is holding you back? And I'm going to leave you with that question as well. Just have a little reflect on it. Have a little think. How are you telling a story that's holding you back? Where's your imaginary line? when that you're turning into a huge wall that you can't get over where is that if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you want to hear more we do have the body doubling membership it's so useful body doubling has absolutely saved my adhd life it's the only way i get anything done these days particularly boring tasks like admin or cleaning the kitchen or sometimes we do fun tasks too like we did we made our own vision board following the goal setting episode on here so yeah if you haven't had enough of me get on over there there's a link down below for the patreon version or you can find me on spotify or um if you're on apple podcasts it should be just on the show page of this it should have a little button at the top saying sign up for the body doubling membership we're having a lot of fun in there and i would love to see you all the links are down below as usual come and say hello and don't forget to follow this podcast because I am doing a lot of research at the moment. I'm on um, a, course, a six week course about ADHD in women that I'm finding some great stuff in. So I'm going to have lots to share on that. I'm also going to a live event soon on ADHD, time blindness, productivity and organization. And I cannot wait to share stuff with you from that. It's with Dr. James Brown, who is I've been to see before and he's excellent. Also, don't forget that burnout Bible down below. I've been using it a bit myself this week. I'm really heading into burnout and I'm trying to avoid it. So I've printed out my burnout Bible. All the links are down below and I hope you have a wonderful week. See you soon. Bye.